There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Noretta. I've spent over four decades working in the game, fortunate enough to meet some of the great legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after hockey. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and find out what they're up to today. On this week's show, here's a guy who won a Hart and Vesna in the same year, played for five different teams, over 700 NHL games during his 16 years in the league, he really made his mark during his eight-plus seasons with the Montreal Canadiens and his retirement from the NHL. He became a journalist from the Journal of Montreal. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Jose Theodore. Jose, welcome, my friend. You look fantastic. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, It's been a while. I've been waiting for this day, so it's finally came that you invited me. I'm, I'm big enough for your podcast now. Great. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables. Like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. Oh man, you look you look like you still look like you did in your playing days. What what are you doing, man? Like trust trust me, man. I'm not you just caught me on a good day that I've decided to do that 30, 30 days, no booze, no wine. So you just caught me at the right time. Trust me. Oh that's it. That's <laughs> I I get what that is. So tell yeah. tell our audience where you're living right now. And you and I were just talking before we started that that you've got some uh, some neighbors that people might recognize in your community. Yeah, yeah, no, well, they, at the end of the day, uh, when I signed with the Panthers, I had, I believe, three, maybe four or five teams on the table. And I remember telling my agent, uh, Donnie Meehan, I said, uh, Donnie, my number one choice, unless there's crazy contracts somewhere, would be Florida, the Panthers, because I knew Thomas Vukun uh, was leaving or he didn't get along with the team he was negotiating. Uh, that meant Florida needed a n- number one goalie, and that is that I wanted to try because I was towards the end of my career. So I wanted to maybe see if me and my wife liked it. We, our daughter was five at the time. So I signed. They offered a one-year deal for more money. But I told my agent, I said, bring the number down, but get me two years with the team so I could at least you know stay here for two years because it wasn't a huge contract per NHL standard. So we got a two-year deal. Played here, it was great. Then um, I I tore my grind just like any old man at 36, and I couldn't come back. So that was that was kind of the end of it. But uh, we just decided to live here in the area where we live. Obviously, it's a nice place to stay in Florida. So there's different neighborhoods, but in my neighborhood, we're lucky. That's where um, Ed Jovanovski lives, two two streets down from me. Uh, Marty Havlat two streets down. I mean, I ride my bike. He stops by all the time. Uh, you have uh, Blake Wheeler that's in the area, Pacioretty. Uh, at the time, Joel Kenville was here. I'm not sure if he saw him and seen him a while. So, so it's fun just to be able to be out of the game, but you still could just make a few calls and you're four guys on the tee box and you could just reminisce some 
old stories and talk about hockey and, you know, talking about this or that. So it's kind of, you know, you still have the boys not too far. And then if you want to go 10, 15 minutes, then you have Thomas Voku and Luongo, uh, Jokin and Vorak. So a lot of time we, we could be 10, 12 NHL or like this. So it's, it's, it's good. All that with no snow, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. Ever thought about starting a seniors hockey league? <laughs> a seniors version, a master's edition of the NHL? You guys did kick butt. Yeah, they, actually, they were involved with minor hockey. They were playing for myself, to be honest, uh, Gino. I think I put the pads twice. One of them was that outdoor game, Montreal-Boston, they did with the alumni, but I barely, I retired maybe two years from, so I played, I played twice. You know what, the body's pretty beat up. Uh, and uh, the other time was a charity three on three for Chris Letang back in Montreal. So right now, beside my mask that you could see in the back, I kept all my mask. I would have a tough time finding equipment because my pads, I have one pad in the garage, the other at my parents, the other is on off. So I would be, so no, I, I don't, I don't play anymore to be honest. Nope. Hey, listen, my friend, now's the time to kind of enjoy your retirement and uh, reap the rewards of a very, you know, very lengthy, very successful NHL career. I want to, there's one of the, a great story that doesn't often get told, but I think you're pretty proud of it, that I think you should tell our audience about uh, when you were 12 years old and one of the legends of all time of hockey, Vyacheslav Trachyak, was running a hockey school in the Montreal area. And he had some great comments. He saw you as a little boy playing hockey and he had some great comments about that. Share that story with the audience. Yeah. The story was that, uh, at the time, obviously, you know, I grew up, I was born in 76. So when I grew up, I heard a lot about the Russians cause they would come and play like in 1980, I believe they played against Montreal. So, so, you know, you had the Canada cup in 1987. So, I'm part that, you know, Russian players, you know, you you were kind of ex impressed with them because we weren't seeing them too often. And Trichak was obviously once one of my heroes because when I was a kid, I was starting to do research and see he had a VHS tape. The young kids don't know what that is, but a v VHS <laughs> and how he would train and he would train like a maniac up in the trees with balls. So all that to say, when he came, I heard that he was doing a hockey school like 20 minutes from where I lived in the summertime, it was, uh, you know, you could sign up for one week, but he was there for two weeks. So me right away, I told my dad, I said, dad, can I go for the full two weeks? Cause I wanted to get more work and, you know, just be able to improve that was summertime. So that first year I'm 12 years old. I show up, you have Marty brother that's there as a 15 or 16 year old guy, just like being a student. And now, you know, I'm, Nobody knows me. Obviously, we're like maybe 40 players. People are starting to talk about Marty because I believe he was going to play for the major junior and he was supposed to get drafted. So that was the first year. And then, so that year, he, he noticed me, like Trichak said, wow, you're 12 years old, kid. But, you know, not that bad. The following year when I was 13 years old, Marty came back, but Marty was drafted first round for New Jersey. So he was kind of an instructor, but I was still 13 years old. But then my game has even stepped up. And then that's when Trichak, I remember like yesterday, uh, at a TV crew won there just to talk about, you know, school. And the guy just asked anybody in here that has the potential to be an NHL goalie or something along these lines. And Trichak say, 
right away and he, he had an interpreter so he couldn't speak english too well and he just said theodore he said he's gonna be a superstar watch his name blah 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 so that's it like he says that on the on the tv for the, the little interview so obviously like now i don't know about this but the tv crew comes say hey what do you think trichak says you're gonna so i'm like well awesome i'm just gonna keep pushing them they're like where do you want to play And that was during the Eric Lindros didn't want to go to Quebec or all that yes. era. So me, my first response said, I'm going to go anywhere, even Quebec City. I don't care. I'll go just anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, like, I'm I'm from there. So that was kind of funny. But then the fast forward, the good thing is the year that I won the Vizina and the Heart, Trichak was the one handing me, naming the nominees for the Vizina. So when he handed me the trophy, In my mind, I'm like, wow, we came a long way. He called it. He called it when I was 13 years old, and that was the. So that that was kind of very special for me to have Trichak giving me, uh, giving me the trophy and a little little something that I actually never tell told nobody. They always ask me, why do you have number 60? No, no, no. The real story is, you know, in uh, when I was younger, I had number one. Then juniors, I had 33 get drafted by Montreal. Obviously, Patrick is still there. I'm never going to, you know, 33 yeah. was out of the way. Number one was of the Raptor. Yeah. So I didn't have too many choices. And in the back of my mind, I wanted number 20 in honor to Trichak. I said, I don't have my number 33. Number one might be close second. Number 20, it would be good. He was my mentor. I went to his school for five years. But as a 20-year-old kid, a little embarrassed to go ask the trainer, hey, I want this number instead of that number. And 20 was kind of a number that people knew it was Trichak. So then I'm like, you know, coming in the league, I'm going to have to explain that, yeah, I went to school. So at the end of the day, I just didn't have the balls to ask number 20. And then fast forward, Nabokov, when he was established in the league, took 20 and Eddie Belfort, because Eddie Belfort took 20 because he went to Trichak school as well. That's yeah. another good story. So all that to say, I wish I would have took number 20 when I was a rookie and held on to that number for, for my career. I took 60. It's all good. But that's something that I, still to this day, I'm like, I should have took 20. I mean, 20 or 60, and it would have been more pressure, but big deal. So that's just something where I would have liked to, you know, a little bit show, show him some appreciation. And 20 would have meant more than 60 because 60 was really more about Pierre Jarvis saying, here you go. That's what's available. <laughs> it's so cool yeah. to hear you tell stories like this <clears throat> i'm so fortunate there's many and the one with eddie belfort too it's i remember when trichak then he just got nominated to be goalie coach in chicago we would do the the training day during the day with all the kids like ranging from 10 to 15 and all that and then at the end of the day i was 13 only trichak thought i i had what it takes and he was from the old mentality push 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 So when, when the day was done, everybody, kid, all the kids were going back home. Me and Marty, we were going back on the ice for a private lesson for one hour with Trichak. So after the full day of training on off the ice as a 13-year-old, so I'm there with Marty. Marty's drafted by first round. I'm So I got a good relationship with Marty. We're one-on-one -on, -one on the ice. And then when we were gone, he was staying on the ice with Jimmy Waite and Ed Belford came down. If you remember, Jimmy Wade was supposed to be the big prospect. He was drafted seventh overall. And then, so after my 
my practice with Marty, we're standing up, just looking. I'm all impressed. This Jimmy Wade, seventh overall, seven. Who's the other guy? Uh, the other guy's a guy at college. He's not even drafted, I think. Uh, but I'm looking at the practice, and I swear I'm looking. I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know. But I think the other guy looks like he's quicker, faster. He's working hard. I don't I kind of like this guy. kind of like this guy. Next thing you know, he goes in the league that year. Wins the Calder Trophy and it's Eddie the Eagle. So I mean, sometimes it's so I'm a good scout. That's what I'm saying. I'm a good scout. I was gonna say, if you're trying to promote yourself <laughs> as a scout, you're a legend. You should make it happen. Well, uh, so that's how my story is about Trichak. So it was a uh, good times, but a lot of uh, hard working. But that's and another fun tidbits. Then Marty became a friend of mine, so I was all happy, you know. Then Marty came his first NHL. I was only. 16, 15, 16, when he first, his first cup. I remember he does a party 20 minutes from my house at his uh, girlfriend's house at the time. So I go there, I'm in the party, I'm 16, the Stanley Cup's there. I said, I'm not going to touch it because I'm going to win it one time. I'm not even drafted yet. So Marty was cool enough to kind of see that I had a good future. So he tried to help me around, you know. And then the first time I get called up, uh, well, it's it's Hartford, but we went on a trip against Jersey. It was my second time that I'm ever, ever with the team. So Marty called the hotel back then. We didn't have a cell. So my little light is flicking in the hotel room. I call. It's Marty. Hey, Theo, you want to come for dinner? I'm like, yeah. So, you know, Marty was always great to me, I got to say. He's a good – I've had him on this podcast, and he's, he's just – he's one of these guys who constantly spreads the – the gratitude and like, like what you're doing and just basically saying, if not for this guy, I couldn't have done this. And this guy did this. Yeah, he's just, just, he was just a great guest on this show. I want to ask you about, so you get drafted by the Montreal Canadians. It looks like it's perfect timing because everything, when you're coming into the NHL as a young goalie, you want a senior guy in that position that could can be your mentor. Like it's one thing for Marty Brodeur to be your mentor, but he wasn't on your team. So now you get drafted by the Habs when Patrick was 27 years old at the point. So at that point, I'm assuming you're thinking a great opportunity for me to learn from one of the greatest of all time, but it didn't work out that well, that way at all. Did it with Patrick? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, when, when you get, and you hear that from all the young guys, you, you just want to get drafted. That's for sure. You're yeah. like, okay. And, and I was ranked a little lower than where I went. So, you know, I was kind of end of first round, early second round. So then the first round comes and all these goalies goes. And in my mind, I'm like, fuck a guy, 19 year old Russian goes in Boston first round. And then, then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to wait. Then second round comes. And I knew Montreal, even though back then it was search of was the, the GM and Serge didn't mean nobody. They didn't have these one-on-one -on -one meetings. So Montreal didn't mean nobody, but I've heard they, they, they were interested. So then their pick come, they draft me. So obviously Right there, you're thrown, a, you know, French-Canadian, thrown in that media circus. And then, you know, okay, Montreal uh, gets the next Patrick Roy. They're preparing for the future, blah, blah, blah. So I'm loving that because I always like pressure. So that's all good. But then I'm l looking forward to going to my first training camp. It's a 1994 lockout. So I get the call saying, yeah, there's not going to be a training camp this year. We're only going to invite, you know, the older guys that's going to probably as a chance to make the team. So my first day, my first camp, I didn't even go at a training camp. So go back to junior. That's the year we win the gold medal at the World Junior. So I'm able to 
getting momentum. And then I got, because it's a lockout year, people focus on junior. And then I had a, a good junior. We went to the Memorial Cup. I got MVP in the playoffs. So then I'm really like moving forward. And then I got my first training camp with Patrick. So I'm like, wow, okay, it's going to be fun to see Patrick, uh, you know, be around him and see how he does things because I'm I'm a good student of the game. So I'm looking this. Then I had the chance to play an, a preseason game at the forum, which for me, that was a dream because going to the forum since I'm a kid and I knew it was on his last leg. So I want to play there. So I played a preseason game, the full game at the forum. And my backup was Patrick Roy. So I keep telling people, I said, I played one year with Patrick, but he was my backup. That's kind of my claim to fame when, awesome. I, when I see Patrick. But uh, that's about the only thing I could say. <laughs> but all that to say, he, he, he was good. You could see how much, you know, you could see he was a leader and how people around him respected him. Like he would walk and kind of, you know, all the players were looking at him. So he, he had this aura. Then I go back to junior. And next thing I know, they have a bad start. I'm looking at the game against Detroit. We all know what happened, 9-2 or 9-3. Patrick gets traded. Then they bring uh, Tebow, a 20-year-old guy that's a year older than me. So to be honest, people were like, oh, you know, like, now what's he going to do? He's going to be there for the next 15 years. And then, but in my mind, in my mind, and that's no disrespect to, to Tebow, it's just Patrick is is a legend. He's he's a monument in my mind. It's like I'm never going to be able to take his job. I mean, I'll be ready when he leaves. It. That was kind of my mentality because even though, you know, you could be cocky and you could want it, I mean, I was intimidated, you know, by Patrick. So then when they got Tebow, then my mentality changed. I'm like, okay, the guy is my age. Big deal. He has one more year in the NHL than me. Is my age. They traded him for him. He has the pressure. I don't. So then that kind of gave me the momentum to say, well, now, now I, I could go after the job way younger than I expected to when Patrick was there. So maybe I didn't get the mentorship, but at least I had the drive that it, it was possible to be number one in Montreal. And that's pretty much uh, what happened. They wanted God and the move to help Thibault. Then Mooger retired. They got Jeff Hackett to, to help Thibault. And then when I was there, I just kept pushing, kept pushing to a point that that's it. They traded Thibault for Hackett. And Hackett was kind of my mentor. And to be honest, that's the guy that I could say really was my mentor throughout like my turning point of my career because I was fighting the job. He was number one. I was number two. But even though I was showing flash of being number one when I was like 23, 24. He was always there helping me. He was the hardest working guy on the team. So I had to follow him because I'm younger. So for me, I got to say that I always say, and I keep saying it, I owe a lot to Jeff Hackett. And that's one of the reasons I brought him back to Colorado as a goalie coach when I was there. He was at home in London doing nothing. And I'm like, Jeff, we need a goalie coach, man. I need you. Uh, We don't have nobody. My game is not sharp. You want to come? And he came back to Colorado and he put me back on track. So for me, Jeff Hackett, I could I could say he was actually my mentor and he helped me a lot. And, and the stuff you did was amazing. You you kind of briefly skimmed over your time with Justin Tebow. You want to share the story about your your call up? You got called up when, when Tebow was struggling. Um, I think it was in February of that year. And then you got a shot in the playoffs. You guys are down three nothing in the series to the New Jersey Devils, and you get the nod. You want to share the, yeah, the well, story of what happened? The, yeah, the, the story starts a little bit before that because in, in November, 
I'm playing in the A. Thibault gets hurt. So I get called back up. And when I get called back up, Montreal is going, I remember, on a 17-days road trip, like California, Phoenix, all that. So I'm there as a you know, rookie. I, I remember my suitcase was that big. And now I didn't know. I thought it would. you need one suit per day. So anyway, so I got my big suitcase. And then that day, we started in, at home. And then we flew after to Detroit. Todd Jablonski was the goalie. So he lost the first two games. He lost 4-3 at Montreal against uh, against Philly. Went to Detroit, lost the game. So Mario Trombley told me, you're going to play the next game. And even before that, I was practicing hard. And I was kind of that little guy, a little cocky, just going beside Mario and say, when am I going to play? When am I going to play? You know, kind of that little guy always like, I want to play, I want to play. So finally, it's okay, it's your chance. So I played one game in San Jose. We got like, we lose in overtime, but we got, I don't know, 40 shots. He ended up playing me five games in a row at my first call up. So I'm playing, go back to Montreal, playing well. So now they're always, they're, all, they're debating, do we keep three goalies? Because he's playing pretty well. Tebow's back. We stay three goalies, three goalie rotation. It's never good. And I, I told Marty St. Louis this year, you got to stop that crap of three goalies, but that's another story. <laughs> then they send me back to the minors. So that's end of November. So then they're struggling a little bit with the goalies. February comes, and then they call me back. They they traded Pat Jablonski, and now they call me. They say, Theo, you're going to finish the year with us. You're part of the team. So then I'm playing with Thibault. He's, he's number one goalie, obviously. You know, I'm just there. I'm playing my game. I'm learning the curse, being with the, being a pro. I'm only 20 years old. Then playoff starts. Again, it's Mario Traveli. It's 3 nothing for the Devils. And again, he sees me. I'm doing it on purpose. I'm circling. I'm turning close to him. So he sees me like, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. So then, still remember, we go back home. He's like, okay, he's, he's red. And he's like, fucking show me what you can do. You're playing tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So then like nervous i'm i'm walking to the ring nobody knows me or pretty much at that time you could just walk so i'm walking and who is my first playoff game against marty brother my childhood friend so now i'm like fuck i'm playing against marty now i'm intimidated in my head a little bit i'm like marty okay it's so the first time i play against him at montreal first playoff game so I still remember we started the game we lose two nothing but we get out play cuz obviously the team that's down three nothing a lot of time, the other team, they just want to put you to sleep and yeah. call it, you know, try to beat you in four. So we're down to nothing. We make a comeback, 2-2. Two, two. Next thing you know, triple overtime, and we win the game. So, you know, when my first game against Marty, I think 60 shots to like 55, me and him. So end up winning that first game, played the, set, the other game in Jersey, lost. So that was just – that was good because – before the summer, it kind of showed me, okay, I was able to play well in the playoff under pressure. So then I knew slowly my progression was where I wanted it to be as a 20-year-old kid, you know, so that's kind of how it started. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. 
The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. The the one year, obviously, that stands out like when I've been in this career now for over 40 years. So there are certain moments, certain times, certain years where guys just do something that you're like, I cannot believe this is happening the way it's happening. The the 2001-2002 season could be, without hyperbole, one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen, an individual performance by a goaltender. And it wasn't just me saying that. You won the heart of the Vesna. Like, you just... And you weren't playing for a great team. I mean, you were getting pummeled with pucks that year. And you ended up playing 67 games. Walk us through one of the greatest seasons of all time in NHL history by a goaltender and what, how that all unfolded for you and what that meant to you. Oh, was it 67 or 69 game I played? I thought, I it, was thought it was 67, but you, your memory Maybe is two years. No, I, it's not. I got too many shots. Two years. It's either that year or two years after with 69 or whatever, but uh, we'll check it out just for fun. I'm okay. not sure, but same thing. Now, to be honest, I, I know it seems like that season came out of nowhere in a lot of people's mind because, I mean, I know, you know, you win the hard division, but in my mind, it really didn't come out of nowhere because if you look back, we could backtrack two years from now. That year I was 20. We'll talk years. I was 25 years old when I won the, the business and the, the heart. Two two years before when I was 23, you could look. I only played 30 games, 30 games, but I played, I think, 20 until Christmas. But those 30 games, five shutouts, tied with Eddie Belfort for the base set percentage of the league. I just didn't have the chance to play more. But that year, I had like five shutouts in 15 games. I had a 2.1 goals against. Again, I was like not a lot of games, but I was second and I was first for state percentage. Eddie won the Crozer by 0.001. He deserved it because I only played 30 games. I would have gave it to Eddie Belfort anyway. He played 60. But I'm just saying that I was there. But obviously, you know the way it works. Alain Vigneault was the coach. He was going with his older guy. So at the end, I was playing as much as uh, Jeff Hackett. The second half, we're fighting for playoff spot. I think I played like five, five, six games in the last 30 games because he said, I'm going to go with my older guy. So I didn't play. But in my mind, I'm like, I could have kept that that same play for a full season if I had to. So I had, yeah. I had, like I said, I had the shutouts. I had the save percentage. I had the goals against average. I'm like, I did it for 30 games. Add another 30 games, it's 60 games. I know I could do it. So that was kind of where it started. But obviously, people just saw, he played 30 games. Yeah, good. it's going to be a good number one. The following year, I missed training camp because contract negotiation. Uh, I decided not to go to camp. I didn't like the contract they were offering me. So I missed the full training camp, which was obviously not good when you're 24 and you miss the full camp. 
you know, I was getting momentum, missed the camp. And the, we, the year before, we didn't miss the playoff, but still, we didn't have that as contender team, but we had a team that was working hard. Missed the training camp, so it took me a while before I got my game back. Second half of the, the year, if you took just the second half, I mean, my numbers are are, are pretty good. And I, I ended up playing 58 games that year. So I went from 30 to 58. First half, not too great. Second half, you know, pretty good numbers, like in the top 10 maybe. So then I know, I said, okay, now it's two years. So then the number 25 year come, Jeff Hackett is still there though. So the coaches, we're gonna we're gonna play one and one because now I gained the the number one with Jeff. Now I'm no more backup. So we start the season. I play one, he plays one. I remember I get you know whatever first second star. Jeff Hackett would get a star. So we're going one and one. But I know I'm in the zone now. Like now I'm playing, yeah. and now I'm you know Jeff gets hurt, blew his shoulder. He's out for like two three months. So now and Michel Terrier is the coach there with Michel Terrier. We go way back because my team beat his team, Major Junior, to go to Memorial Cup. So he knew what I could do. So then the season, then the Hackett gets hurt. So now I'm playing all the games. But I'm in the zone right away when he gets hurt. I was already in a good good momentum. So when he comes, he plays me all the game. And, you know, I'm playing every game. I'm just, you know, I, I'm in my game. It seems like everything's clicking and I'm pushing. Then I get a concussion. When Verada hit me, that was a cheap shot. If you go on YouTube, I, I kind of lost. Uh, he hit me with a knee behind the head. So I missed five games. We lose five games and we get blowout like 5-1-6-2. So I still remember we get got back. Michel calls me in the office like, Theo, can you play? I'm like, well, I, the, the team was on the road. So I was at home for five days just resting, not going on the ice. He said, well, go on the ice this morning. We're playing tonight. Just skate around. So I skated for 10 minutes. Me and the goalie coach just said, you're in tonight against Colorado. I'm like, oh, my God. Fuck. <laughs> so then we, we end up having a tie, 1-1 tie. And then after that, I was going and playing like 10, 15, 17 games in a row, just playing nonstop. And if I would have one bad game, I would always bounce right back. So at the end of the day, it just seems like, like you say, everything was clicking, but it was just, I like to say, just a continuity of what I was building before. It's just that year I could show it for a full 67 games and for a full season. And then we went in the playoffs. And I remember I said, that year is special, but it's not going to mean as much if we can't make an upset in the playoffs. We got to, we got to make an upset but then we're playing against the first team overall or second boss and everybody no, thinks first. we're you guys dead. Were the eighth seed and the Bruins were the first seed yeah. yeah so I remember in my mind I'm like come on just pushing the playoff and that could really so I remember we're able to beat Boston which was huge and then obviously after we were up we were up against Carolina 2-1 everything was right until that one game that we blew that lead in the third period we were up three zip blew that lead, lost in overtime, and that kind of just took the sale out of the team, and then then we end up losing. So that was kind of how that year when it went up. I Roly Roly the goalie, Roly Milanson yeah. was involved in that time. And I and I remember his quote, he says, We asked him to be God. Because <laughs> that's 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 what it was like for you in that season. Ro Roly, talking about Roly, I gotta I gotta bring Roly as another of the very important people for me because Roly 
like you say, he would come with these kind of comments. So I remember one time, I think I had player of the month. So I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. He brings me in. We're doing video session. And he's just destroyed me. I look, there, your glove there. I expect more than you. I'm like, Roly, I just had player of the month. No, not enough. It was always more, more. I remember going on the ice 30, 40 minutes before, after, even game days. I would do morning skate for one hour on game days because Roly, one more, one more. So, so again, I got to give Roly a lot of props. To be honest, that's what, if you fast forward, then – I get traded to Colorado. I go to Colorado. There's no goalie coach. I'm I'm used to having Roly. That Roly comes in the room. He says, "Okay, Theo, 40 minutes before practice, you're on." He gets uh, four or five players. We do the drill afterwards. Let's say I want to work on whatever back doors, bring guys. He does everything in Colorado. Nothing. So it was very hard for me to organize everything. Telling guys, "Okay, you stand there," and I was kind of being the goalie coach. I, so things weren't going well. So that's when I called Jeff. I'm like, Jeff, I need you. You want to come? And then, and then Jeff came to Colorado and he put my game back on track. And, you know, I had a great, great season over there. So I had a lot of people that I really have to say, you know, means a lot in my career and were able to make me have that long career. Somebody who meant a lot to you, and you, you kind of briefly touched on the Radom Verbata cheap shot. For the for the viewers who and listeners who don't remember this, you were outside the crease playing the puck, and Verbata cheap shot at you, and Dougie Gilmore stepped up for you. What did that mean to you to have a legend like Gilmore to step up like that for you? At the time, obviously, I didn't sit. So if you go on the replay, I'm passed out on the ice. So I didn't know what happened. I died. It was a loose puck. Bad call on my choice. But as a goalie, when you're there, you, there's – you can't go back. So I dove for the puck, which I got. Verada just fell on me with his knee, lost my helmet, and passed out. Then I don't know what's going on. I wake up, I'm in the dressing room. That's kind of how it went. But then I see the replay, and I see that shot. Then I see for like two seconds, I'm like, what the fuck? Nobody's there to do something. Then you see that little bowling ball coming from the other side of the rink, skating and just sliding. Then after the other guys kind of say, oh, okay, we got to do. But for me to have Dougie, first thing I always, when I see Dougie, I, I keep reminding him. But for me, it means, okay, now guys, they really see me as an important piece and a number one guy. When you have a guy like Dougie Gilmore doing this, taking the chance to getting hit afterwards and going to war for you, in my mind, it felt like, okay, now I'm I'm the clear cut. You know, I'm their number one and they guys want to protect me. But Dougie, I mean, it seems I played with the guy for 10 years, even though I played with him, I think was two years. He meant so much. And I still remember the year that I won the heart after the season, we're in, uh, having a little beer together, all the team. And he comes to me in my ear and he says, you know what? enjoy that moment because i was nominated once and it's it's it might never happen again so he said just enjoy every moment of it and you know what every time since then i keep thinking about them so yeah he was right i mean you have to enjoy it because it goes like this and i mean beside dominic Hasek, you don't have too many goalies that could say they were they had two kick at at the camp for mvp so dougie was uh somebody uh I respect so much. And again, like, I mean, I see him and it's, it's like, he's a brother to me. So he's, he's one of the best teammates I've had. And I've had a lot of good teammates, Joe Sackick, uh, Dougie, but Dougie's right up there for sure. It, it, it's funny. Cause and I don't want to just slide by this because the importance of 
uh, for us in the media, for the guys who are voting and stuff like that, it's the the Vesna is the goalies award. So it's always hard to nominate a goalie for the heart for the MVP. So you're one of those rare people who were able to win both in the same year. Do you appreciate how significant that is? Because we may never see that happen again. We may never, because people always say, no, no, the, the Vesna is the goalie's MVP. We can't give them both. So do you appreciate that? I, I would say that I appreciate a lot more my career and what I achieve. I mean, I, you know, like anything, you wish you could do more. I wish I would have won a cup. I wish I would have won more Vesna. But when you look back, I appreciate a lot more and realize more what I did since I'm retired because, you know, you have more time to sit back, say, okay, yeah, I did win the World Cup in 04, played with Mario, two All-Star games. So, so World Junior, two All-Star games, this, you know, Masterton, all that's another trophy that's special to me. So I do appreciate more. But like I always say, to win the MVP as a goalie, kind of you need all the stars aligned because you need to have a team that's not a great team being being said is you need your goalie to be able to stand out every game because I saw the opposite when I played in Washington I finished the season which people don't realize that because they always think oh Washington was so good but they didn't win the playoff my second year in Washington I finished my last 25 games after Christmas 23 zero zero loss and three overtime loss I had 30 wins seven losses People said, oh, yeah, he plays for Washington. You know, he, he, every goalie would have good stats. They have a good team. So it's like, even if I would have been 40 and 0, there's no way I would have won the Hart Trophy because people, they have a good team. That's why. So, all that to say, you need to have a team that you're not supposed to be in the playoffs and you need to have a lot of shots and you need to be able, you could, you could play as well. We snuck in the playoff by not even one point by, the fact that we tied with Washington, but we had more wins against Washington or something like that. If we miss the playoff, am I MVP of my team if we don't make the playoffs? Probably not. I don't know. So you need so many things to be aligned to be able. So now I realize how hard it is. But again, sometimes it's just like anything. You would win it once. You think, okay, yeah, I've done that. You know, as a 20, I was only 25. I said, you know, I could do that again. And then as the year passes on, you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's a lot more. It's not going to happen twice. And then, so yes, I do appreciate it, but I appreciate a lot more when my career is done now. I got to ask you about uh, playing for the Caps. Alexander Ovechkin back March, 2009 scores his 50th goal of the season. And there's that video that we all remember of him with the hot stick, like, Ooh, drop the stick and the hot stick emblazoned in all of our minds and you are a part of that story give us the background to that i'm actually not part i'm the one that gave him the idea but the thing <laughs> he was stupid enough to do it we had a team <laughs> meal in tampa the day before and i wasn't playing that game so we had a team meal and we're like ten, not a team meal but we're 10 12 guy Vax, backstrom is there mike green myself talking a couple glasses of wine especially when you're not playing the next day you know so i'm i'm loose talking and then obi's like yeah tomorrow i gotta score if i score what should i do guys to celebrate what should i do so obi says it to me backstrom and green and i think semen is there or maybe fitter whatever what should i do i said obi 
And he was always playing with Backstrom, if you remember at the time. Yeah, always. You know, Back, Backstrom, Ovi, just like, uh, you know, freaking uh, Adam Oates and Brett Hall, they were always together. So I'm like, Ovi, you score your goal, you put your st stick down. I said, no, I said, you call all the guys over, more like a, I had the football mentality. I said, you put your stick down, you call your teammates. But I said, you got to warm up, like your stick is on fire. So the thing he had to go was like this. Like that. But he goes and we keep bugging him. I said, Oh, you look like mods are playing the piano. I said, Ovi, <laughs> what did you do? You you screw up my celebration. You're playing the piano. You had to go like this. And if you look at the replay, you see Ovi calling the other guys, but nobody <laughs> wants to go. So that's why he ended up being by himself. But the thing that I said was you call all the guys and everybody's on the circle around the stick going like that. But that was me talking with three glasses of wine. Then the next thing you know, he scores. I see him in the corner. He, he goes like this, calls like teammates. Nobody comes. And then he's playing the piano. So I, I am responsible for that. But mine, mine would have been so much cooler. Everybody around, everybody's warming up. Everybody's warming up. You're freaking, you're a legend. Just that's that's you know, a hilarious. true story. But then after that, I started calling him Mozart or Beethoven. <laughs> I don't remember one of these guys. Uh, good times. And then the good thing is he, he, I listened to Hockey Night in Canada, and I'm a big Grapes fan, obviously, like, every other Canadian and grapes is just ripping him, ripping. Oh, what? This is not hockey. This I'm like this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Grapes. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree. <laughs> then I didn't want to say it was me. I only said it. I think two years after that, I I'm behind this. That's hilarious. I want to play five fast facts with you. I'm going to ask you five quick questions. You can give me five quick answers and you'll see why I want to do it right now. Because the, the first question is talking about best teammates you ever played for. You ready? We're going to go with five fast facts. Give me five quick answers on this. Who's the best teammate you ever played with? Joe Sackett. Oh, who was the best coach you ever played for? Mike Terrier. And by the way, for me, a good coach, whoever puts me in that, whoever <laughs> plays me is a good coach. But no, I go way back and I'm still friends with Mike. For me, for my kind of character, me and Mike Terrier had a good answer. Awesome. Who did you hate playing against the most and why? Ooh, okay, uh, that's a that's a good one. It's not really a player. I think it's more some buildings in the league that, for whatever reason, there's buildings. Whoever was on that team, I just cannot play well. Like I never played well in Edmonton, Buffalo. Just played well, but a player I didn't like. You know what? I would say there's not really one that stick out. I'm going to say a guy like Chara, just because you knew he was there with his bomb and every shot would just hurt. But for me, a guy like Jager, I was in his prime in the 90s. For me, I liked it because it was a big challenge. It was like, okay, you're playing against the best players. So so players I didn't like. Oh, I I, I could say, yeah, I'm going to name you one guy I really didn't like to play against was uh, Holmstrong in Detroit, always being in my freaking kitchen all the time. So that, that would be one guy that I can stand because he was there and always bumping. And I could give him the stick underneath, you know, underneath the legs, right where it hurts there, you know, where the two little balls are. Oh, right yeah, there. I know what you're talking but about. But still, he, he would stay right there. And him and Ryan Smith, these are the two guys that, you know, they could get under my skin. Yeah, Ryan Smith and Holmstrom. What was your favorite NHL city to play in? New York, New York City. 
One last question. If you hadn't been an NHL player, what do you think you would have done as a career instead? Uh, I'm going to give you two options because it was really two. Like one, my dream would obviously been because I love music playing in a rock band, but you know, the chances are so slim that if not that I would have been a lawyer because I had good grades at school and I would have been a, a lawyer for sure. So that was kind of the two options. I'm surprised you didn't say pilot because as we wrap this up, something our audience needs to know, you've got your helicopter yeah. license. You've got your pilot's license. You love to fly. You're, you're flying. Today. Actually, like, where did that come from? I, actually, you're, you're right. Now I was thinking growing up pilot was not in my mind. So yeah. right now, yes, I, I would have, enjoy because I, I you know i took you're right probably right when i was growing up was more rock star but obviously at 47 you're not a rock star anymore so i would have been a pilot but no pilot was i got traded that's really my big passion you're absolutely right to bring this up um i i did my helicopter license when i was over in colorado just had too much time on my hand and i i wanted to learn something and then in florida i really committed to it so i did my fixed wing which is uh, airplane license. I did my instrument, which is flying with, uh, you know, pretty much in the clouds, in the snow, in the rain instrument. And I did my commercial license. So so I did put a lot of time. I have my own plane that's in the hangar in Pompano. I fly to Montreal. I fly my family around. And I went flying yesterday. I go flying like three times a week. And you know what? I, I feel it's a little bit like playing hockey, where as a goalie, you know, you have all the pressure on yourself. If you don't play well, your team loses. Well, if you're on a plane with me and I and I don't plan my shit well, you're in big trouble. So I got the pressure of all my and you know the pressure of being prepared beforehand, looking at the weather, looking at this, at that, getting everything ready, being on top of your game. The pressure of okay, you need to be with. There's always something that happens. So all that pressure makes me, I guess, makes me feel good. But it's really a passion for me that. Uh, I just want to keep evolving and keep learning. So, yeah, you're right. Pilot is something that it's great. And a lot of time, you know, guys come here, some players, they want to fly to the Bahamas. I fly them to the Bahamas and, you know, fly all over the place. So, yeah, you're right. Good call. I forgot that one. Jose, I, I got to tell you, this has been so much fun. I've been doing this show for a couple of years now, and this is one of the most fun interviews I've ever done. You've still got so much passion about so many things, and you look so good, and you feel like obviously you feel great. I've really enjoyed this, man. Thank you so much well, for doing this with us. Thanks. It's easy when you're doing it with a pro, man. Keep up the good work. You're, you're the best. Jose, continue to enjoy life down there, buddy. Have fun. All right. Take care, man. Take care, everyone. Bye. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Hard Trophy, Vez the winner, Jose Theodore, one of the greats of all time. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7 Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population who require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go, Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. 
Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.